Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat fans, and welcome to this Friday edition of Bobcat Radio. Joined alongside my producer, Justin Brown, my co-host, Orlando Smart, and J.P. Flanagan. I am your host, David Castaneda. We got an action-packed show for you all today, so let's get straight into it. But before we do, let's send it over to J.P. for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks, Re- Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this bo- broadcast of Bobcat Radio, located on the north bound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos. Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, and scenic views. All right. Thank you so much, JP. So let's get straight into it with some baseball action. So we got Texas State baseball, a sweep against Marshall in a three-game series, got their revenge win against number 25 uh, UTSA on the road. I mean, crazy pitching that we've seen from them since the UT series. And then they got their uh, three-game series versus Troy in Alabama. That starts tonight. I mean, what have y'all seen from this Bobcat team in the last couple day, uh, weeks? I mean, we've seen some serious improvement. Uh, I'm glad that that UTSA game went the way it did. I mean, that's a team that kind of embarrassed Texas State the last time they got to play them. I think it was like 11-2. to two. Um, Uncharacteristic of a team, but, you know, that can happen early in the season. And from what we saw early in the season with this Texas State team is, you know, once they were hot, they could go cold just as easy. So, I mean, that's a win that I felt like kind of, could be a tide turner for this one especially since this one was a ranked opponent and this team is just stacking ranked opponent wins now and then it was quite impressive to see them sweep a a, you know a new member of the Sun Belt Conference you know in just a three-game series and not really look back and kind of just totally dominating the whole way through yes I mean in dominating the whole way through it and you mentioned the pitching performance from the Bobcats this week I mean this week and we look in that series against Marshall we talk about Levi Wells I mean he had a shutout with I don't know how many innings he played and he did amazing things and um, I think it was it was like nine innings eight innings I'm not sure but um, you know he did great great on the mound and you know this team one thing I'd have to say is the hitting is is in is in good order right now Davis Powell this this junior right now on the team he's doing great things he stepped up big in this um, you know in these in this weekend series we saw him with the walk off in that final game in Marshall on Sunday and we saw him do great things in UTSA as well because I think he had a two run homer in that game so yeah I mean this Bobcat team is responding in good fashion they're going to have to play against Troy but to beat a ranked team like UTSA a team that beats you by a pretty big margin that first game they played against each other earlier this season so I mean this Bobcat team looking to bounce back against a you know a Sunbelt you know rivals Troy yeah I mean so you know, everybody likes to talk about sports being kind of like a fairy tale story. Do you think that that UT series really had an impact on Texas State in terms of, you know, coming out that with that fire and knowing what they are capable of, you know, especially against these other uh, uh, Sunbelt Conference teams? Yeah, I mean, in sports, you're just going to you really just need a spark to get you going, you know, and in something like that, you know, a big win against a not even a conference opponent, but like a state, you know, rival, like I'd put it at that, you know, a big national brand like Texas getting to put a win at like that, you know, on your record is very good. And I think that's, you know, as you mentioned, that could be 
be something that, you know, kind of sparks something that, you know, could lead to better success down the season because this is a Texas State team that does have admirations of going just as far as Texas does, although they don't have the same recruiting level or, you know, funds that these other schools have. I mean, they still have the same admirations of going very far. I mean, playing against UT, I think I love that we talk about story, you know, like, well, what would you consider this situation? I mean, you're playing against a team that is always considered a big brother. You know, UT is always the big brother, Texas State, a bigger school, a better school. And then they over here split the series and they get in a way win against UT. I think that gives you a lot of momentum and it gives you momentum towards the rest of your season. I love how this UT matchup is right towards the middle half of the their, their regular season because I think Coach Trout knows that this will give them some momentum. This will give them some fire. They get a big win against UT in their own home. Yeah, you kind of feel like, yeah, I'm the best team in the state. So, I mean, that type of feeling is contagious and that can be contagious for players like Davis Powell, who we see has been hitting amazing. Jose Gonzalez needs some of that energy. I don't know what happened to his hitting lately. He's like one for 11 in his last 11 at-bats. Don't know what's happening with him. Maybe the change-up that people are throwing towards him is really getting him going. I'm not sure. But, yeah, this momentum is contagious, and Coach Trout put these two games here, I believe so, in the middle of the season just so they can get some momentum. I mean, definitely looking at last season, there was a – definitely looking at last season, it was a – this was a team that Texas State played. This is the exact same way. It was a two-game series, and then they split the series. And then winning, with Texas State winning um, the second game in that series and looking at their schedule after that, the Bobcats went on a seven-game winning streak after beating UT last season. So if that shows anything, uh, if last season was a test of what they can do after beating a team like that, just the momentum is there. They, they can go on a win streak again. So that just shows what the, playing a team like that with that type of – with that type of prowess, with that type of what experience can do for a team. I mean, you just mentioned going on a win streak, and I think what kind of happened with the Marshall series is they started off the weekend with Levi Wells, and that's something that they're going to do again against Troy. I mean, kind of finding a situation that works best for this team, especially on the pitching end, because we all know the hitting isn't really the issue. It's kind of just finding some rhythm on the pitching end, and Levi Wells is starting off this weekend, so hopefully that just kind of is uh, bringing good momentum towards this team going into a weekend against Troy, a team that also has kind of a similar record to Texas State, not only in their overall record, but in their conference record as well. Yeah, and I mean, Levi Wells is who you want starting off the series. He started off the series amazing against Marshall. And you look at him, he is currently uh, one of the best pitchers on this team. He's had over... 58 strikeouts pitched in his in his performances so far. He has over 44 innings pitched, which is the most of any other pitcher on the team. He has a 4.09 ERA. It's not too bad. Out of his seven appearances, six of them are wins. So, you know, we'd love to see him. We also want to see Tony Roby, who in his five appearances have been nothing but wins. Jack Stroud, he's done great things as well. So, I mean, there, there's so much to say about this team, and I believe that, you know, upcoming this Troy weekend, I mean, what are we going to see? We're going to see more Davis Powell. We're going to see more Chase Mora as well. I mean, I I don't know. I really love this team. I I mean, some people say the team last year was better, more lovable. But this team, to me, I love the youth on it. And I feel like they have some more adversity, but that will make a better team. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, the Levi Wells coming out, their ace. And, you know, that's going to be a very hard task for Troy against this hot Bobcat offense and defense. That game is tonight at 7, I believe, in Alabama. But let's zoom out of baseball and let's go over to their counterpart in softball, the complete opposite, if we're being honest. Five straight losses, struggling with producing runs, a loss to A&M on Wednesday, and then an upcoming three-game series versus ULM. That is at home today at 6 p.m. 
So, I mean, what are y'all's thoughts about this softball team? What, 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 what can they do to get back on track? I mean, this series couldn't come at a better time. I mean, coming off a five-game losing streak can be rough. I mean, but it, it, it's the hardest part of the season, honestly, in that schedule. I mean, you have to play a Texas A&M team, an in-state rival, you know, one of those bigger schools that we just mentioned. And then having to play one of the tougher teams in the conference just overall, Louisiana Lafayette just absolutely dominating that series, not really allowing much progress from the Bobcat team. But, yeah, I mean, this ULA team hopefully is a, you know, sparked and a turnaround for this team because um, coming off a five-game losing streak and having admirations of, you know, postseason, uh, you know, uh, feats and stuff like that, um, I think that this is a turnaround and hopefully that they're able to capitalize at least, you know, and take the series. All right. That's all the time we have for this first part of the episode. Uh, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll fill you in with some Texas State football as well as some national sports news, NBA and MLB, if we have time. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to KTSW 89.9. All right. Welcome back to Bobcat Radio on this beautiful Friday morning. So we got cut off a little bit abruptly there, but uh, let's take it back to Texas State softball where we were talking about, you know, a little bit of a slump the last couple of weeks. Like I said, a loss to A&M on Wednesday. Now they got a home game, three-game series, try to snap this five-game losing streak. What do y'all think has to change here? I mean, a five-game losing streak, what you're hearing right now from Coach Woodard in practice is it's now or never. It is now or never. You cannot be going into this slump like this towards the end of your season. You had all the momentum. You went to the Bevo Classic. You beat a UT team. You, you have beat really good opponents right now this is uncharacteristic yes you're playing against a 25 nationally ranked Texas A&M team yes you're playing against a ranked team like Louisiana but right now the Warhawks are right in front of you and this is a team that you need to sweep you need to get momentum and what that will be caused by is by Jessica Mullins pitching like she was last year and you need big hitters to come back we want Sierra Trahan to come back but right now Claire Gender she stepped up well Piper Randolph she's doing great things you know Sarah Vanderford she's a veteran on this team and will be known forever but you know I just I think the softball team this is a now or never moment for them to get some wins I agree I mean with the softball team luckily um the the team they have coming up the um the they are also on a win streak they are also they currently lost their last four games so hopefully with both teams on a, a losing streak Texas State can come out with a win because like you said, Justin, and like Coach Woodard is saying, it's an now or never. This is the complete turning point that the um, the Bobcats need in their season right now. Their their overall record uh, of twenty six nineteen and one isn't isn't like anything to really write home about. And then their conference record of six seven and one is actually very bad. I mean, I'd have to I have to go and look up their actual um, conference rankings, but I know. With a losing record in conference and a tie, you can't be one of the top teams. Yeah, I agree. So, again, that series starts tonight at 6 at home, and it's a three-game series going to run through this weekend. So let's zoom out of that and talk about some Texas State football. It's about that time of the year again. We got the spring game tomorrow at 11, I believe it is. Yes. 11 a.m., yeah. So that's going to be tomorrow. So, you know, really an interesting offseason for the Bobcats you know, we got new new coach, head coach Kenny, the Arkansas transfer, and Malik Hornsby. I mean, this is, you know, two of the most important positions on a football team, the quarterback and the head coach. And 
it's going to be really interesting to see. I believe we have some quotes from Coach Kenny in yesterday's press conference. Yes, we do, David. Yes. I mean, before we get into these quotes, just, you know, wanting to say, yeah, a complete personnel change. Your leaders are on this team are completely changed. The head coach who brought UIW a great record last year and a championship, I believe. And then now you have Malik Hornsby, who is from Arkansas, someone that's been undervalued and now and here at Texas State. So it's very exciting. And when Coach Kenny was asked about, have you seen Malik Hornsby? What do you think about him so far? And what do you think about his arm? You know, he has responded, and this is how he responded. I think he's got a big arm. Uh, he can he can throw the ball down the field. He can stretch the, the field, stretch that defense vertically, uh, which we want to do. We want to be a run play action team, throw the ball deep. Um, he's very accurate with the ball. Um, I think the biggest thing for him is just continue to get those reps, uh, going through his progressions, going to the right place at the right time. Uh, but he's gotten better every practice, which is a very promising sign. I mean, that is the promise, promising sign you want to see from a, you know, a player. You want to see improvement, and you want to see that improvement from the head coach. And head coach, he's saying nothing but good things about Malik Hornsby. Now, there's some rumors from last year when Malik Hornsby was on Arkansas that he was the fastest player on his roster. And they were making fun of, not making fun about the situation, but asking him, is that the case this year? And this was his quote. Me, me, uh, me. I think I'm the fastest guy on the team. Uh, I don't think no one uh, has beat me yet. So that's kind of great to hear as well. You want you want that confidence from your quarterback, and it seems like he has a playful mood. I want to hear your thoughts on what Coach Kenny said about Malik Hornsby, and, and what are you all excited to see from this new quarterback? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who has a lot to prove. I mean, he got to sit behind K.J. Jefferson and a bunch of good quarterbacks at Arkansas, uh, be it a different scheme. And I think this this new scheme that G.J. Kinney is bringing in of high-intensity, high pace, you know, could really benefit a guy who has the speed with his legs. And then also, as G.J. Kinney mentioned, you know, an arm talent that hasn't been seen yet, especially at Arkansas, really never got to use it. And now we'll get to see it because G.J. Kinney is able to capitalize with, you know, um, significant deep ball throws and also maintaining the run as well. So this will be an exciting offense. And to have a quarterback like um, Malik Hornsby, who's so highly touted coming out of high school and who also had a lot of offers coming out of the transfer portal from schools like Nebraska. So, I mean, this will be very interesting to watch. And it's the reason why it makes Texas State an interesting team going into this season, because how can a team, you know, follow up a 4-8 and performance having a four-star quarterback like Malik Hornsby in the Sunbelt Conference? So I think that this is, you know, a, a good movement for this team, you know, sacking uh, a lot of transfers like this from upper-level schools schools who are coming back to the state of Texas and wanting to kind of rebranch their roots in the state of Texas. So I'm loving the direction of this team going under DJ Kinney. For me, the biggest thing with Malik coming from Arkansas is that Arkansas is an SEC school. So like just kind of like we've mentioned with some of these other sports like softball, when they're playing number one or the number 25 ranked team or the they're playing University of Texas and stuff like that, playing teams like that, just being in a in a conference like that just builds experience and just gives you a, um, a type of just a knowledge of the game that you might not exp- that you might not get at some of these um, conferences that don't get as much exposure or just don't get as much um, of the talent throughout or in the um, so it's just like I feel like with him coming from the SEC, I feel like he'll bring something to Texas State that has never really been here before. And just like, kind of like you said, JP, the with the dual threat of him being able to also run the ball the way he is, I feel like that's something Texas State's never really had. I feel like since, at least in my time being here, we've mostly tradi- just had traditional drop-back quarterbacks 
um, quarterbacks who are really strong with their arm, but just having that that second threat uh, of not knowing whether he'll drop back to throw it or whether he's going to hurt you with the run is, is a very big game for Texas State. You know, and I'm glad you mentioned the differences. You know, he's coming from an SEC school, and that was something a lot of people were wondering. So he was asked, what is the biggest difference from Texas State's offense compared to Arkansas State? And like, what's the difference between these two schools? And this is how he responded. Uh, the biggest difference is, I mean, like you said, being the guy, um, I think that holds a lot of weight. Like at Arkansas, I really wasn't a guy, so it wasn't as much pressure as it is. But being here, it's a lot of pressure because I got 140 other teammates that's looking up to me day for day, and I can't slack. And it's really that I'm the leader. At the end of the day, I, I got to be that leader every day. I can't come in and slack because everybody fall off my energy. I mean, that is a very good point, and I think that's – it's just so cool that we have these access to this press conference, and, you know, he has to be the leader on this team, and Coach Kenny, I mean, is expecting that from him, and I, I'm I'm really excited. You look at this schedule that the Bobcat football team has. I mean, I want to hear your thoughts on it, and David as well. I mean, you see their, you know, their first three games, I mean, are looking pretty tough. Baylor, UTSA, and Jackson State. What do you predict that they will do in their first three games? I mean, this is going to be a much-improved team from previous years under um, Coach Bab at all they think just like the way the defense is going to be playing and the rate of the offense will really have influence um and what's crazy to think is that this team could start 0-2 and be the best texas state team we've had in our time here um having to play a, a tough utsa team that has a fifth year senior quarterback now um who has a head coach coach trailer who honestly has gotten a lot of job offers elsewhere and he's you know sticking to or choosing to stay around at utsa and build off of that so i'm interested to see how they you know how their season goes around and then also baylor i mean this is a team coming off of a mediocre season and then two seasons ago a big 12 title so coach dave aranda definitely doesn't want to drop a game to you know a fresh texas state team who's you know in a rebuild mode because if you drop a game to texas state that early i mean you might as well consider yourself in a rebuild mode as well so i mean yeah it'll be very interesting to see especially since this will be the best team we've gotten to see um and it could be an zero and two start of the season i definitely agree with that because i mean like you said baylor coming off a lot a very mediocre last season i feel like that would be um a, a, a game texas state could win uh, i was able to watch baylor play last year against kansas state and that was a obviously kansas state was a very very good team last year but that was just a team uh, a game that baylor just was not able to compete in so starting the season off 0-2 uh while it would record wise it would be bad i mean it's like you said it, we have, it has very potential for this to be the best texas state team we've had in a while but i mean it's also just not even a guarantee that they start the season off 0-2. T- UTSA is coming off a 11-3 and season, but, I mean, the, UTSA came out of nowhere. Maybe it's me, but I'm just hating on them. But I feel like if we can not, if we can be the team to knock them off, that be this might be the fall off because they've had they've had a very good last two seasons. But maybe some of these changes and Malik can come here and kind of shake that up this season. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see because, <clears throat> I mean, there's so much new things going into this offense and into this team as a whole in general, you know. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they play against, you know, two of the toughest teams that they've had in a while. So, yeah, so let's zoom out of the uh, Texas State level of things and let's move out to the national level in the NBA playoffs. You know, just I know we talked about it in on the podcast, but – we talked about the Warriors and the Kings series. That's the one that's really catching my eye right now. Obviously, the Warriors are able to get a game back. So, I mean, what's up? What, what are we talking about now? Are the Warriors finding their groove again? Are they back? 
I mean, this is a series that the Warriors just really couldn't afford to fall out of, obviously being the first round. But, I mean, this is a Kings team that they've dominated forever. And Draymond was also talking about, like, I think during the season on a podcast, how, you know, when he plays teams like the Kings, he's not playing to his full performance because it's just the Kings. Well, the Kings have shown that, you know, they're a dominant team now in the West and they deserve, you know, a chance you know, or your best fight against them. And I, I think this is really, that was a turning point for the Warriors because this is a, you know, now that being at home, they, they're able to take the series back. But, I mean, they have to really watch out because De'Aaron Fox and Devonta Sabonis are, are playing very lethal right now and they're playing the best brand of basketball. And really when they play with that speed and can score the ball, I mean, you're in for a, a tough night. And the Warriors really were able to find a defensive side, um, you know, last night. And I think that's something that was influential. But, I mean, can they keep up the, their, you know, the offensive side of the ball and can they, you know, knock off a team that's really playing their best right now? I mean, in my opinion, a, a series doesn't really kind of change or doesn't really tip until a team loses at home. And so in this series, I feel like um, it kind of is going to be a very traditional series. The the, the higher-seeded team will win as long as every team wins. Like, as long as the um, Kings and Warriors, as long as they win their home games, which I think they will, I think the Kings, obviously the Kings will come out winning. And so far, that's all that's really happened. The Kings had the first two games at home. They won. Then the Warriors had, and it's because it's like if the Warriors lose that first game at home, it's the series is over at that point. So like you said, JP, this was like a must-win game for them. So it's if they can, and then it's the same with the next game. If they go down 3-1 at losing the game at home with the closeout game being in Sacramento, I feel like, I mean, I feel like the series is over. So they just have to go in. At the, if you're the lower seed, all you have, all you can really do is protect home court and then try to go steal one on the road. So then you uh, then you protect in home court. So I feel like the, the Kings will definitely be able to c- control this series as long as they protect their home court. Yeah, you know, I would say the Kings are going to win this series no matter what, just due to the pace of these two different teams. You have one team, which is one of the youngest teams in the NBA, one of the fastest teams in the NBA, the highest offense in NBA history ever recorded. Yep, that's the Sacramento Kings playing against the Golden State Warriors, who have some age and they have some players that, you know, this might, you know, they're com- they're coming towards the end of their careers. I mean, Steph Curry, I don't want to say this. You know, he's been doing great things. He's the all-time three-point leader. But in this game, he does get 36 points in this. But, you know, is, is he does he really have what it takes in his engine still to be able to take a team and get them, you know, to win against the Kings? Like, I don't know. I feel like this Kings team is just so fast. There's so many opportunities for them. There's so many people that can step up big. You saw Harrison Barnes. He had 17 points. DeMontis Bonus with 15 of his own. De'Aaron Fox, he had 24 points before the end of the third quarter. I mean, that is a team that's really hard to stop. So my favorite series to watch right now in the first round is this series. But will the Kings be taking it? Yes. And they will be doing it with the Warriors only getting this one win. Surprising. But that's the truth. Well, it really sounds like uh, like pretty much everybody has the Kings in this series. And, you know, that win last night, I thought for sure we'd have a little bit of a dispute here, but uh, clearly not. <laughs> Real quick, before we end it off here, I want to know, you know, this is that was a close series that we were looking at. I really want to see. So we got the Nuggets, the 76ers, and the Celtics, I believe, who all have no losses in the playoffs so far. Which of these teams, you know, I, I understand some of, some teams are playing weaker teams, but which one of these teams do you think is the most the biggest threat right now and looking the most dominant in the in the bracket? I mean, I'm going to say Boston. I just feel like they're more in their groove right now. Really hasn't been a struggle with that Atlanta team. I mean, not, not a very deep Atlanta team, and they're kind of more uh, guard-focused right now. Um, but, yeah, I think that's just like they haven't really had any struggles so far. I mean, at least in that Minnesota 
um, Nuggets series, you could kind of feel like, you know, they, they were letting off the gas a little bit, and we saw a 13 or a 14-0 run by the Minnesota Timberwolves that really made that second game kind of interesting. And then I know this is kind of like a... Uh, a different opinion, but I don't think that 76ers team is very good right now. I mean, they're barely beating an, an, um, a Nets team that really shouldn't be in the playoffs. I mean, winning by five last night wasn't, you know, their best basketball. And I really think that they have much to improve on if they want to win a championship. I mean, I think they'll make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But if we're talking about winning a championship, I think they need to make some improvements. I'm glad you mentioned that, JP, because that Brooklyn team should not be in the playoffs. They They're um, in the playoffs based off of what Ke- Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving did at the beginning of the season. So at this point, they're legit coasting off of that. So the fact that the Sixers are struggling, I agree that they're not that much of a threat once they get past this round. Um, and all, but the, and well, I also think that Boston is a threat. I, I also don't think that they're facing that, that tough of an opponent right now in Atlanta. You mentioned that they're just really not that good, and I, I have to agree with that. Atlanta... They're led by Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, but I mean, I just just don't see them ever being with Trey Young. I, I mean, I, at this point, I just don't see them going far in this year's playoffs. I'm not going to talk about like forever or anything, but just right now against the Boston Celtics, they definitely don't really stack up too well. So, um, in terms of these teams, I think the Denver Nuggets are the best with the with the no losses that they've taken. I feel like they have the best. They're doing it the most convincingly to me because I feel like the Timberwolves are a pretty good team, especially with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns down there. You would think that would be able to be enough to kind of, kind of nullify the the MVP, the their best player, and on the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. But the rest of the guys, as well as Nikola, are finding ways to still win games. So I feel like that's the most dominant series. That's the most dominant team um, in the playoffs right now. And, but I also want to give a shout-out to the Lakers because um, LeBron is going to – he's going to find a way to win. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. But what I will say is the most dominant team right now is the Nuggets because they have something that no other play, no other team has. They have one of the, the most highly offensive big men in the entire league. You can assist it. You can score it. There's nothing you can do about it. And Phoenix and L.A. won't be able to stop that. Um, so no matter hey, what – Hey, hey, but what, can he defend it? <laughs> Can he defend it though? That may be a case scenario. I don't know. I would love, but what I want to say though is just because before we get out of here, because I have to give my Philly slander out. Um, Philadelphia, the 76ers. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sorry, but you're actually going to lose somehow to Brooklyn. No, I'm just kidding. You're not. <laughs> you're up 3 0, but. Philadelphia, I mean, who do y'all have? You have Joel Embiid, who his right knee is sore now. I don't know if y'all saw that in the game, but I love this. This is what I love about the Sixers. It's led by either James Harden or Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid, oh, his right knee's hurting, right? So what does he do? I got a great idea. Look, we're down three. There's a minute left in the game. Let me just chuck up a three with two defenders on me. Oh, what it hit? The front iron. That's it. Because guess what? Joel Embiid, you're not ready to win a championship until you get the mindset right. If you're injured, that doesn't mean hold the ball. That means give it away. Give it to someone who can score it. And that's what James Harden could do. Oh, but no, he got ejected for doing something I don't even want to say on air. Well, that's why they have Tyrese Maxey, who scored 25 last game and Thank 33 you. in the game before PJ that. P.J. Tucker, who, remember, used to be able to score corner threes, but now doesn't even, I don't even know, he's in a different zip code. But, yeah, that's what I had to say about the Sixers. All right. Oh, <laughs> I my let goodness. it out. Give me the weather channel. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> on that note, I guess we'll we'll toss it over back to you for the weather before we let, we'll let y'all go today. 
Yeah, you know, I'm not angry about the weather, though. I mean, it is kind of cloudy. Right now, if you look at the clouds, they're up in the sky. It's a 15% <laughs> chance of rain all day. Expect the temperatures to get higher. The high for today will be at 4 p.m., where it is 79 degrees, but expect to get lower down to 64 tonight and expect a sunny sunset tonight. But, yeah, that's all the weather for today. Alongside producer Justin Brown, my co-host Orlando Smart and J.P. Flanagan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been your host, David Castaneda. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Friday morning. Now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.